three ways that we can uh, take the Bible more seriously this year. Number one is you got to believe it. You got to believe it. And, you know, th- this sounds like, well, duh, everybody knows that. Well, then why why don't we? Why don't we? Let me show you something here. First verse is John chapter 14, verse 6. John 14, verse 6. Uh, you know where I'm going, Kim. John 14, verse 6. You know, a lot of you guys may know this verse, but check this out. John chapter 14 and verse 6. This is Jesus talking. And he says this. You know, he's talking to the disciples there. And Thomas is like, duh, well, we don't know, Jesus. We don't know where you're going. And Jesus, he says here, verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, we know this verse, but check it out. Did you also know that in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says that Jesus is the Word, right? Jesus is the Word. So when you spend time with your Bible, you are spending time directly with Jesus Christ. When you spend time, when you pick that Bible up and you read it, you are literally spending time with Jesus. He's literally speaking to you. This is a very real thing if you don't get this. You're not reading a book. If the Bible is just a book to you, then something is seriously wrong with you. It is Jesus. It's the word of God. The Bible, the word is Jesus. And so Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. So that would tell me that the word of God, the Bible is the way, the truth and the life. The Bible is the truth. The truth. There's, there's, you know, there's so many things in this world that different religions and things that, that claim to present truth and all this stuff. No. Jesus and the Bible is the truth. If anything you hear goes against what the Bible is saying, then that's a lie. I don't care if science and everything else backs it up. It is a lie. Jesus is truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And, and you know, the Bible has been I love it, man. I, I, I read articles and I study stuff. The Bible has been true, been proven to be true on so many occasions. We, we all know the obvious answer is that it's true because God says it is. That's that's good. But how, do you realize how many different uh, outside sources almost on a on a monthly basis, yearly basis, confirm that the word of God is true? And maybe I'm a little bit of a nerd and you don't care about this stuff, but I love it when archaeology comes in and prove and just backs up what the Bible's told us for thousands of years. I love it. And so I, you know, I study this stuff a little bit, but I, I, this is one of my favorites is for years, people have debated whether the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were real places or if that is something mean, the Bible made up to be mean to homosexuals and sexual perversion. Well, listen, I believe everything the Bible says. And so, and so, you know, a few years back, they discover some ancient trade maps that, and they have the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah listed on there. And people are like, oh, well, maybe they are real. But, but you know, and so studying this out more, in uh, 2000, October of 2015, um, a, a guy from New Mexico, uh, Professor Steve, I'll grab his name here, uh, Steve Collins from New Mexico, a U.S. archaeologist, they discovered the ruins of Sodom and Gomorrah right where the Bible said they were. You know, right, and so many things line up exactly with what the Bible said it is. And they found layers of ash buried on top of the city. They found columns that were, you know, charred and burned. That, And they said the way that the burn marks and everything were on the ruins they found, it didn't happen by, you know, a slow fire. It happened like by a very quick explosion, almost like a meteor hitting the earth. And then so, you know, the atheist like, well, a meteor hit the earth right into that exact same spot and burned things. No, 
The, it's, I mean, to the T, what the Bible says, it's incredible. But, you know, to all that is to say this, my point of that is this, is that the Bible is true. You've got to believe that. I mean, you have got to, you've got to establish in your heart that if the Bible says it, it's true, no matter what everybody else is saying. And, and you know, I don't like it when people overcomplicate the Bible. You know, I, I, I don't like that. And, and sometimes you get a great verse like, you know, Mark eleven twenty two up here, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be cast and see, and shall have whatsoever he saith. Listen, some people will come in and say, well, you know, but they, he was talking to the disciples there. Yeah, that, that, he was talking to the twelve. And, and listen, you're overcomplicating it because if whosoever in Mark eleven twenty two means whosoever, or if it doesn't mean whosoever, then why in John three sixteen does, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. Well, everybody's like, well, that applies to everybody, no matter who you are. Whosoever means whosoever. But why doesn't it mean whosoever in, in Mark eleven twenty two? You're overcomplicating the scriptures. You've got to believe what it says. And if the Bible says that God wants you healed, God wants you healed. If God says, if the Bible says that God wants your family provided for, he wants it. I don't care what anybody tells you. If the Bible says that God wants you to have peace and joy and success, then it's absolutely true. No matter who tells you different, I believe the word of God every single time, 100 times out of 100. I'm going to take the word of God over any person, scientist, theologian, preacher, anybody. No matter what, the word of God is true. And, and we too many people overcomplicate it. I'm trying to tell you, just believe what it says. And I've been taught this from a very young age. And you know, I've told this story how, you know, I, we grew up, we were Pentecostal kids, okay? We, we were Pentecostal kids. And there's something different and weird about Pentecostal kids. You know, they, they're, they're weird. You know, woo! And so, uh, I remember one time we, we were at a, a church event at the Staples Center. Some, some of you were there. And they had a worship night. Uh, and they invited us. We brought the largest group to the whole event right out of Barstow. But anyway, so, so we, we get all these people. We're on this balcony of the Staples Center. And they got this Christian guy singing. And like all of our kids are like, you know, raising their hands, walking around. He's like, who brought the Pentecostal? Pentecostal kids. There's, I can try. That's right. So one time, and I've told this story many times, but uh, my my mom, with well intention, sent us to a vacation Bible school at a little denominational church way out in the country. I won't mention the name of the denomination because they're dear, sweet people and they're very old. But anyway, so so we get out there, and our our VBS teacher, you know, again with all due respect, she was extremely old and extremely cranky. You know, really just rude. And so she reads all of us kids the story, gets her Bible out. I believe it was the story, if I remember right, about the the friends that they had a friend that was crippled, lame. And so they cut a hole in the roof. They lower the lame man down. And Jesus says, you know, your sins are forgiven. Get up and walk. And the man's healed. And, you know, all of us kids are like, wow, that sounds great. Then she slams the Bible shut. But kids, Jesus doesn't do those things anymore. You're talking to a kid that got healed of cancer, like, <laughs> miraculously. I mean, and I, listen, I was like, yes, he does. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he does. He'll do that. He, I was crippled myself, and he healed me. Yes, he does. And, you know, I mean, maybe that was disrespectful. I don't know. But you, even to this day, you are not going to tell me that Jesus does not heal people anymore. You're too late. You're too late, all right? It's already happened in my life. You're not going to tell me that Jesus wants you poor or depressed or, you know, split up families. No, 
He doesn't want that. You're too late to tell me this. And you've got to believe that the word of God is true. You know, one of my favorite Bible teachers is, is Kenneth Copeland. And I, I think of the story he tells about when he first got saved, him and his wife, they made this decision that, okay, we're going to take the Bible at face value. We're going to, whatever it says, we're going to believe it no matter how hard it is, we're going to obey it. Even if it's really hard, we're going to obey it. And so they were thinking it was going to say things, you know, like love your neighbor. And it, and it says that. But then he comes across this verse one day, Romans 13, 8. It says, owe no man anything but to love him. And so he's reading that. And he's like, okay, all right. Oh, no, man. And, and then he, it starts hitting him that it's telling him he shouldn't be in debt. And, and he's like, well, I don't know if I, can, if I can go with it. I mean, this is really hard because according to his own admission, he financed everything. He even rented his furniture and television. Yeah, bad idea. Really bad. And so he and so he this is the 1960s. He is like up to his eyeballs in debt. And here he just made this promise to God Almighty. I will obey anything that I see in the Bible, no matter how difficult it is. Then he sees the verse that says, uh, oh, no man, anything. Don't be in debt. And so this really, this is the hardest thing he had ever come across. So he's like, well, maybe I'm reading this wrong. I'll just, I'll just get uh, the, the Amplified Bible out and see if it kind of words a little different and go that route. But he said he opened that and it was even worse. It says, stay out of debt and owe no man anything. It was, it was even worse on him. And so they made a decision. All right, Lord, we made a promise to you. Whatever the Bible says, no matter how hard it is, we're going to obey it. Because anything you say is for our benefit, whether we know it or not. It's for our good. So we're going to do it. And they made a vow. And they said within 11 months, this is the 60s, and they were, didn't have any money. Within 11 months, they paid off thousands of dollars of debt. And to this day, have never borrowed one penny ever. He wouldn't buy a house until he could pay cash for it. He, I mean, that's... Faith right there. And you're, and I mean, that's a level that a lot of us, most of us are not walking in yet. And I've got to say, I, I mean, I'm not to that level quite yet where I could go pay cash for a house, but, but he's to that level. And then, you know, a lot of people over the years, because listen, when you, when you live that lifestyle and when you make a commitment to not only stay out of debt, but to be a giver, it, it's just going to happen. You're going to get rich. Let's get real here. If you are a giver and you stay out of, your money is going to come flooding into your life because give and it shall be given unto you. It's a Bible fact. You reap what you sow. It, it's going to happen. It is absolutely going to happen. And so because of that, you know, Brother Coleman's taken a lot of flack over the years. But I, he doesn't talk about this. But I heard his son-in-law say uh, just a few weeks, his son-in-law told us that in the past 20, 30 years, he's, they've given away over three, nearly $300 million. They've given away. And people are, I mean... There's a reason that this man has prospered to this level, because he believed the word of God and he obeyed the word of God. And when you start giving that way, it, it is going to happen. You're going to have stuff given back. And he, again, he didn't advertise that figure. I heard his son-in-law say it. That's a lot of money to give away. And I'm telling you what, man, God's word is true. But you've got to believe it. You've got to know. All right, my mom's apparently going to add something to this. So I have no idea where this is going, but go ahead, Mom. Well, one time, Dr. Bar- Bar- Dr. Barkley used to, usually goes to Kenneth Copeland's minister's conferences <laughs> before he comes here. But I don't, he's not coming here in January, I don't think, because he's going to go to Oregon. But unless the Lord changes his mind, because I keep thinking about him all night. Anyway, 
We didn't have the money to, p to pay his uh, air fuel. What is that? Where's Katie? His jet, jet fuel. fuel. How much is that jet fuel? $1,900? $1,800? Okay, we didn't have the money for it. And, and uh, uh, Dr. Barkley was leaving Kenneth Copeland's place. And, uh, you know, there's jets all over the place. And Kenneth Copeland says to, Dr. Says to the, his guys, fill up his plane before he leaves. Oh, wow. So we got on the receiving end of that. Right oh, okay, cool, yeah. Hey, so Kenneth Copeland sent Dr. Barclay to our church, if you didn't basically understand that. So. Hey, that's, hey. Yeah, yeah, all right, very good. And so, you know, we're saying all this to, to, to verify the fact that when you believe the Bible, you do something about it, it's going to work in your life. What would happen? What if Christians took the Bible seriously? That's what I'm asking tonight. What, think about your life. What would happen in your life if you literally, every scripture you read, said, okay, I know this is difficult, but I'm going to do this. It's going to stretch me. It's going to hurt a little bit, but I'm going to do what this is saying. What can you, you don't even know. You don't, can't even imagine what would happen if, if, if we lived this lifestyle. And I, and I know we're all doing our best, but I'm just saying it's 2017. Let's step it up a level. What if... What if we, you doubled up your Bible time? I mean, what if you, if you already read the Bible 10 hours a day? What, what if you started reading the Bible 15 hours a day? You know, what, what if whatever it is you do, what if you doubled it up? What if you started taking the Bible so seriously, so seriously that you just put everything else to the side to get with the Word of God? What if? I'm telling you right now, your life would explode to a whole new level. It would explode, man. It would take off like a rocket. But, but so to, to take the Bible seriously, number one, you got to believe it. But number two, I'm going to say this, is that you have got to make it a priority. It has got to be a priority. And I can totally say that all of us could do better in this area. But is it in the top five of your priorities? Is it in, is it in the top ten? Where is it that important to you? Is it more important to you than TV, than, than all this stuff? It has got to be a priority. And, you know, I, I, I guess I'll, I'll say something tonight that I believe will just slap every one of us across the chops a few times. So just hold your, put your helmets on. Do they pass out helmets at the door? Put your phone down and pick up your Bible. <laughs> The average American spends 4.7 hours per day on their smartphone. The average, I'll say that one again. The average American spends 4.7 hours per day on their smartphone. And the average American's only up for 15 hours a day. So that, <laughs> I, you know, that's the average. You know, maybe you're like, well, that's impossible because you do a lot less than that. Or, or maybe you're like, oh, that's all because I do like six or seven. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know where you're at. But, but seriously, we, we, we spend so much time on it. And, and, you know, I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm guilty. I mean, I don't spend that much. But, but I'm guilty of, you know, it's easy. I like to read articles. I like to read, you know, archaeology. I wonder if they ever discovered the city. You know, just dumb stuff. But and it's stupid. And, and, you know, my kids ask me questions. Joel asked me some sort of question about every 
three and a half minutes. And so, you know, I, I look it up. The next, so I'm just saying, I get it, man. But but seriously, how much time is wasted? And so I, if I'm standing in a store in line and I, in Jesus name, this is changing for me. But every time in the past that I've gone to food for less, I somehow pick the wrong line. I'm changing my confession. I'm just not going to be. But it's like I'll see two people in this line. So I'll go over there. The next thing I know, you know, that line that had 15 people are all out the door. I'm like, what? What happened? So anyway, but I'm standing here. And, and so, I'll, you know, as I'm looking at lines, wherever I'm at, I just do a scan of the store. And everywhere I look, I see people like this. I see people walking down aisles. I see people. I mean, just everywhere I go, people are totally glued. And I would full out say addicted to their phones. It's, it's incredible. And in fact, to make it worse, I, I actually got some security footage from the lobby of our church this morning. It's going to shock you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love you, brothers. You know, I'm playing. <laughs> the... <laughs> Well, no, no, we got cameras, we got cameras, we got cameras, so, actually, and by security footage, I mean me on my phone, so, uh, but anyway, love you, brothers, uh, you can put it back in the last picture, we don't want to stare at that anymore, but, but just, <laughs> but just think about this, think about this, you know, if the average person is, is, is spending, I mean, even if you spent half of that, two hours a day on your phone, which I, I can fully believe that a lot of people do that. I have no problem believing that most people spend at least two hours a day on their phone. But, but what would happen if instead of two hours on your phone, you spent two hours with the Bible? Think about that. Yeah, power. Think about that. What if the, these people that spend four hours a day on their phone, what if that person, oh man, what if that person took the Bible so seriously that they read it for four hours a day? Now, I don't really know anybody that reads the Bible for four hours a day. I know people that do play on their phones for four or more hours a day. I do know people that do that. But I, I mean, I don't know anybody that for, on a reg, everyday basis reads their Bible for four hours a day. Because we, I mean, you know, it's easy to make excuses for that. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, I, I got, I got stuff to do, but doesn't it just burn your biscuits when you go to the store and the cashier won't wait on you because she's playing on her phone? Doesn't it just mash your taters when you go to a restaurant and they won't even come out? <laughs> they won't even come out and wait on you. And you, and you look back behind the counter and you see just a bunch of people doing th- Man, we find the time for stuff. We find the time for stuff. And so I think a really easy solution to this is, I mean, you can get for free a little Gideon's New Testament Bible, man, for free. And you can carry that. I, when I worked, you know, out at FedEx and everything, man, I carried a pocket New Testament with me everywhere I went. And I, if I got bored, this was before smartphones were even, you know, we even had these things. So, but everywhere I went, man, if I had five minutes of downtime instead of pulling out, okay, well, I wonder what's going on. I mean, I'd pull that Bible out and I'd read, usually Romans 8, but I mean, I would, I would read scripture even if it was for 30 seconds. Because I find it's really easy for me if I've got 30 seconds and I'm waiting somewhere to pull out and, you know, look at a sports score or something. Or it's really easy to pull it out and see what's going on. I mean, I have no problem doing that. Wouldn't it be great if instead of pulling a phone out, we pulled out a pocket New Testament and read that for 30, just little 30 second punches at a time? 
30 seconds at a time, read a verse. Wouldn't that be awesome? And I, I mean, I'm all for having the Bible app on the phone. Okay, I've got that. But I found it's also extremely easy to get distracted on my way to that Bible app. You know what I mean? See, you know, see a little, uh, you know, sports center or something and like, oh, hey, what's going on? I mean, it's real easy to get lost on the way there. And so I think the recommendation that we get some pocket New Testaments and carry those around and in lieu of always using the Bible app, unless you can really stick to it, pull that bad boy out. And I mean, just give yourself a little shot in the arm at 30 seconds at a time, five minutes at a time. Just read a few verses. You know, and, you know, some people are like, that's, that's, you're just being judgmental and ridiculous. Man, I'm tired of seeing Christians sick and tired and depressed and losing. They're not getting enough Bible. They're absolutely, we are not getting enough Bible. What if we took it so seriously that we replaced phone time with Bible time? What if? I mean, what if? I I don't know. I I can guarantee you this. You'd start winning a lot more battles. You'd start having more money. I guarantee you, you'd start having more money if you started spending more time with the Bible than you do with your phone. I can promise you that you would have more health in your body if you spent more time with the Bible than you do with your phone. I can guarantee you your children would like you more if you started spending more time with the Bible than you do with your phone. I can promise you your marriage, your job, your home, everything about your life would transform into something powerful if you would replace some phone time with some Bible time. Drop the mic right there. Step back from this. Do you think? Mull it over for a minute, okay? Just mull on that. But we have got to start making the Bible a priority. Now, let's turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, yes. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. And the, the whole psalm is about David discussing the importance of the Word of God. And, you know, he uses several different phrases. He, he talks, he calls the word, sometimes he says, refers to it as your word. Sometimes he says your instructions. Sometimes he says your law. But if you're reading it, the whole thing is about the word of God. And it's, it's, it's really, really good to read. Uh, and it's, it's the biggest chapter in the Bible. But I want to, I just want to, we're just going to cherry pick a few few verses out of this chapter to show you some stuff that King David had to say about the word of God. Psalm 119. I, I love this, man. Psalm 119. Let's we'll pick up verse nine here. Psalm 119, verse nine. How can a young person stay pure by obeying your word? That's deep. How can a young person stay pure by obeying your word? And, you know, I'm not, I don't want to talk about this topic right now, but because I got a lot of others we're going to look at here. But, you know, it's true. If you are a person of the word, a, a young person, well, especially talking to you, it can keep you pure. And I, I have, I'm not ashamed to say it. My wife and I, Katie and I, we stayed pure until, until our wedding night. We, we didn't, we didn't do that. And a lot of people, I mean, just still find that hard to believe how anybody in this millennium can, can make it that far. We did. We, we, we remained pure until the night that we got married and we had rings on our fingers. Why? You know, I mean, we loved each other. We I, were attracted to each other, but we were people of the word. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. The word of the Bible will keep you pure, man. Absolutely. Verse 28. 
Psalm 119, verse 28. He, he says, I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. So if you're having, you know, sadness and sorrow, King David said, man, encourage me by the word. The Bible will pull you up out of the gutter. Yeah, the Bible, if you're going through some sorrow and heartache, man, it's nice to have good friends around. But David said, encourage me by the word. I need the word right now. The word of God. Let's look at the next one. Verse 72. We're all over the place here. Verse 72. Psalm 119, verse 72. It says, your instructions, you know, your word, is more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. Millions. Your instructions, your word, is more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. He said, I would rather have the instructions of God, the word of God, than money. I wish all Christians could say that. And I know, you know, again, that's not always the case. Because a lot of Christians, they'll sacrifice Bible time for money. They'll sacrifice church time for money. They'll sacrifice these things for money. And they may not realize it or not, but that's what it is. And David said, your instructions, your word, oh, it's more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. And, you know, I can say with full confidence right now, man, you could send the, you know, another thing the kids asked me earlier, who's the richest person in the world? Well, you know, Bill Gates, $85.9 billion. You could, you could send old Billy himself in here and cut me a check for $85.9 billion. To, and if he offered me that to trade my, the word of God, my Bible for $85.9 billion, I would say, get out of here now. It is not, no way, not a chance in the world. There is not enough money on this planet to take the word of God from me. I, I don't care. I, I mean, I got my $50 Bible right here. I wouldn't sell it to you for $1 million if you come. Not going to happen. That's my sword, man. That Bible right there, I do battle with that every day of my life. That is, that is I wouldn't trade that Bible for anything, man. I wake up with God every day and, you know, I go straight to the, I go pick up that Bible and I, I, I fight battles for my family before the battles even come. I fight battles for you, for this people of this church every morning with that Bible. What, what, what price tag can you put on that? No, man, that is priceless. There's nothing in this world more important than the word of God. And so David, who was a rich man, said, your word is more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. The Bible's that important. Verse 105. Here's a familiar one for you. Psalm 119, verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Oh, that's a deep one. Oh, man, we could go on that, too. But but think about it. It says, your word is a lamp. For my feet, it's a light for my path. And there's a whole lot of people just stumbling through the darkness, stumbling, man. And, and they're tripping and, and they don't know where they're going. Their heart's good. I mean, they love the Lord. But listen, this is a sword and it's also a light. I'm not just talking about a little weak keychain light, you know, or I'm talking about this thing is like, you know, a million watt, whatever those LED bulb, man, this thing will light 
up the path for you so you can see where you're going and it'll show you the way. But you've got to pick it up. The word of God, it's more valuable than millions in gold and silver. And it is a light to your path. It will show you the way to go. So many people, I, I just, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Pick up the light, man. And it'll, light, it'll show you where to go. This is the word of God. You can't replace this. Verse 165, last one here, but, but Psalm 119, verse 165. I'm telling you, it's a big chapter. Psalm 119, verse 165, and I love this one. It says, those who love your instructions, or your, those who love, do you love the word of God? Those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. People that love the word of God, that love the instructions, that love the, you know, whatever David's calling it here. People that love it. What do you do when you love someone or something? You spend as much time with them as you possibly can. I mean, you want to get to them as soon as you get off work. You want, you know, you want to get to that person. And, you know, as soon as you get a chance, you, you'll protect them. You'll defend them. You'll do anything for the one that you love. And David said, man, people that love your instructions, they have great peace. And I can tell you, I don't know anybody that truly, totally loves the word of God and wraps their life around it that doesn't have peace. Anybody that I know that is obsessed with the Bible they are the most peaceful people in the world. It says right here, you don't stumble. You don't stumble if you make the word of God this much of a priority in your life. And, and you know, I, I've said this so many times, but the person that I know that made the word the most priority in their life is my dad. And, you know, I, every day growing up, every, every day, I'm, and I, I, without hesitation, say 100% of the time, there was not one day of my growing up that I didn't see my dad reading the Bible. And I can say, honestly, usually for several hours, every single day, every day. We could be on vacation somewhere. We can't go out and, you know, go to the amusement park or go out fishing until dad has his work time. And you, do you think that we regret any of that or no, man? Oh, Absolutely not. When you make the word that type of a priority, when you're willing to lay other things down and say, I want, I want to go, guys, I really do, but I, I need to spend some time in the word right now. I love you. I thank you for the invitation. I'd love to go to the ball game tonight. I'd love to go out and I'd love to go watch the movie. I, I want to go with you guys. I really do. Don't take any offense, but I need some time with the word. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be great if that was you? Do you imagine the victory that you would have in your life. When you're full of the word, that's what comes out of you. Just like a sponge. If, if we filled up a sponge with vinegar right now, you could squeeze it and vinegar would come out. If you fill it up with water, you squeeze it. That's what's going to come out. And it's the same way with people. Whenever you're squeezed in life, whatever's on the inside is going to come out. If the word of God's on the inside and we squeeze you, you're going to start spitting out scriptures, man. By his stripes I'm healed. I can do all things through Christ. It's going to come out of you. But if you're full of social media, when we squeeze you, what's the first thing you're going to do? I'm going to post this right now. Having the worst day ever. You're going to run to that. If that's what you're full of. If, you know, if you're full of video games, 
we squeeze you, what's going to come out? I don't really know, but, you know, something's going to come out. I, I, don't, I have no idea. What, but, but either way, you know, whatever's on the inside of you, man, when you're squeezed, that's what comes out. And I want it to be, man, if you come up and slap me on the back that a scripture comes, you know, I'll say a scripture or something. I want it to be that full of the word of God where it absolutely consumes me. Where it absolutely consumes me. And the people that I look up to most in this world are people that have made the word of God an absolute priority. I, they would do without food before they do without Bible time. They would do without anything else, but they will not do without spending time with Jesus, with the word of God. What if we treated our Bibles this way? What if? I don't know. I mean, I think your life would be a whole lot different than what it is right now. You know, I'm not saying you have a ballot, but I'm just saying, even if your life's amazing, it could be double amazing if you doubled up your word time. If it, whatever your status is, the word of God, Hebrews 4.12, is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it divides between the soul and spirit, the, joint, the joints and marrow. It divides between your soul and your spirit. The word of God, man. There's never, there's never been a time, and I'll say this. I'm going to get to point three here. But there's never been a time in my life where I, where I could get later on in my day say, man, wish I hadn't spent so much time with the Bible this morning. I, you know, could, could have got a workout in. Could have ate breakfast if I hadn't spent that much time with the Bible. I really regret spending that much time. But I can tell you there's been a lot of times where I've said, man, I wish I would have skipped breakfast for the Bible this morning because I really, really need a verse right now. Or, you know, man, I wish I would have just skipped doing that with the guys and spent time with the Bible instead. I, I wish. But you, they're never going to regret spending that much time with Jesus. And there's never going to be a time when Jesus says, slow down, man. Jeez. Spent way too much time in the Bible. This is ridiculous. You're out of control, man. You read it all the time. What's your just give it a break, man. Go, go. No, that's not going to happen. You will never regret your time in the word. So we got to make it a priority. And the third thing is this. Third thing is this. Number three, if you're really going to make it a priority, you've got to obey it. You've got to obey the scriptures. James 1.22, the New King James Version. A lot of you probably know this one, but James 1.22, flip on over there. And this is this applies to I mean any sermon we ever preach this verse I've noticed applies to it James one twenty two. You know a lot of stuff we're saying tonight may be, you know, stating the obvious like well we know all this and I, well I've heard that a thousand times listen to me man just if that's you just stop it listen you may know this stuff I get that but seriously. You have got to just move on knowing it. Because it doesn't matter if you know it. It matters if you do it. James 1.22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. There's a lot of people that they have heard the word for years they have been hearers of the word. They may have memorized scriptures and stories and, oh, yeah, man, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know that verse for sure. Yeah, you, you, you preach that a thousand times. Listen, that's not impressive. It, it, is, it does not impress God if you've memorized a, a million verses. That's awesome. You should do it. That's incredible and great. But if you memorize a thousand verses but don't even obey one of those verses, don't even do one of them, you 
are living a life of deception. You're deceived. You think you've got all this knowledge, but, I mean, you, you're nothing, man. It says, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving yourself. So, let's think about this. Are we obeying the scriptures that we know? I mean, maybe you've memorized three verses. That's fine. Don't be embarrassed about that. That's great. If you're obeying those three scriptures, then you are way beyond a lot of people that have been sitting in a church for 50 years. But you are not going to advance in this life. You are not going to get anywhere until you start obeying the word of God that, that, that you know. And so if you're going to make the word a priority, listen, if you're going to make the word a priority, you've got to believe it, number one, absolutely. You've got to believe it. And number two, you've got to make it a priority. But number three, you've got to obey what you're doing no matter how hard it is. Because you're going to read some stuff in here that is not going to be easy. I can promise you that right now. You're going to read some stuff that goes against how you've been living your life. And you can say, well, I know it says that, but I just, I don't know. I don't know. Listen to me. You've got to be a doer of the word. If you want the blessings that you see so many people walking in, they didn't just get that by being a hearer only. They got that by being a doer of the word. There's one more thing I'm going to show you tonight, and I kind of stole this from my offering this morning. But Luke 11, let's look at Luke 11, and, um, and we'll look at verses 27 through 28. But it's incredible to see. One of my favorite things, I guess I could say, is this. is seeing somebody get into the church here, give their lives over to Jesus completely. And start obeying the word and just and just sit back and watch what starts happening in their lives. Now, I could probably go through and just point out all of your lives right now and, and look at the things that I've seen happening, man. You know, I think about when Jesse first came in, Jesse Garcia, you know, uh, just how, how he was you know, so just hungry and on fire. And, and I've seen so much happen in his life in like, I guess, eight years or something. I don't know. But just incredible, man. It's been fun to watch. Look at uh, Montenegro back there, man. We, you know, just the, he tells me stories every Every, every time I'm with it, I'm like, what? Oh, my gosh, you did that? And, and, but, but to see what God's done, just sit back and watch. I was sitting at the park with Elise, we were, you know, what was it, a few months ago with a bunch of kids out there. And she starts telling me the things that God's healed her of. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, I just ever since I've been at this church, you know, I wasn't even specifically getting prayer for these things. But since I started sitting under the word three times a week, every week and reading my Bible, I used to be on how I asked you to compile 35 medications on a good day, 35 different medications. And at this point, it's down to uh, two. Now, and she doesn't I mean, I I don't think I've ever really. She's never come up and uh, can you pray that I'd be, you know, get off. It's just fallen off when you spend time with God and in his word chains, bondages, they just start falling off, man. They're getting chains are getting broken. and And after a while, you're not even realizing it. Then you look back and say, man, wow, 35 down to two. And that's just in like a three or four year period. That's incredible. That's the power of. Of the word of God. So is this just some great book that we read for inspiration? No, man. This is alive. It's powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. So Luke 11, 
verses 27 and 28. Uh, Jesus is preaching here, and, and this woman stands up in the crowd, you know. Uh, verse 27 says, as he was speaking, a woman in the crowd called out, God bless your mother, the womb from which you came and the breast that nursed you. I'm like, OK, that's that's a nice compliment, I guess. But <laughs> kind of weird, but <laughs> I've always thought that verse was really weird. <clears throat> and if you read it in the King James, it's even weirder. So anyway, I'll let you read that on your own. Or better yet, go to the Young's literal translation. But uh Verse 28, all right? Thank you for the compliment. But Jesus, look at verse verse 28. Jesus replied, oh, you know, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. You know, and, and I'm sure he's like, he didn't deny that he, you know, yes, she's blessed, a great mom. He took the compliment. He's like, but even more blessed than my mom is anybody that hears the word of God and we can put it this way and becomes a doer because that person has every answer they're ever going to need. If they need more money, they can go get it. Just they can go get it. If they need healing for their body, they can go get it. If they need peace, if they need joy, if they need a miracle, if they need anything you need. If you have heard the word of God and put it into practice, Jesus said, oh, man, uh, yeah, uh, yes, thank you. I, I, I'm blessed. My mom's blessed. But let me tell you who's really blessed. Jesus said, anyone who hears and does the word of God. Do you realize how deep of a revelation? Don't let that fly over. Please, dear Lord, don't let this fly over your head. Maybe you're like, yeah, we know that. Seriously, Jesus Christ himself said, even more blessed than me and my mom and my family is anyone who hears and does the word. That word blessed, we even said it earlier, means empowered to prosper. Break down prosper. That's not just talking about money, although it is. Basically, the most basic form of prosper is succeed. So Jesus, if we want to just bring it on, Jesus said, the person that hears and does the word of God is empowered to succeed. What if we got a whole, I mean, it's a crazy idea. Follow me. What if we got this whole church of a couple hundred people we got here and they all just got so obsessed with their Bibles that they put their phones down. They turned their TVs off, even though it's the playoffs, the playoffs. Yeah, the playoffs. Even if they just threw all that aside, what what if we got a couple hundred people in 2017 to lay all this down and pick up their Bibles instead? They'd be empowered to succeed. This church would explode because when you read the Bible that much, you, you become, in a nice way, a blabbermouth. You go tell people. you got to see what I just read. Oh, my gosh. I know what you're going. You tell people about it. You don't shut up. This church would explode in growth. This church would have more finances they knew what to do with because all of us would have, you know, we'd, be, we'd have it coming in, man. It's just fact. You cannot argue that, that Jesus said you're going to be blessed. You're going to prosper if you'll make the word a priority. Can you imagine what the first Sunday night of 2018 would be like. Full back to the doorway. We'd be, I mean, we'd be packed out. It won't happen, though, if we don't take the word this seriously. I'm going to step it up. I mean, I admit, I, I, I read a lot of the Bible, but I'm not satisfied. I want more. I'm stepping it up this year, guys. 2007, I'm stepping it up, man. What if everybody stepped up there they made it a priority 
They took it seriously. They truly believed it. And then on top of all that, they obeyed what they read, no matter how hard it is. Listen to me. Your life will not even be recognizable within 365 days. You'd say, oh, my gosh. Wow. You you would be a whole new person. And so, again, we're doing a series here just asking what if. You can look at your life right now. What if you did this? What if you made the Bible an obsession, the Word of God? Your life would absolutely explode with blessings and growth. You'd be bringing people into this church left and right and into the kingdom of God, more importantly. I'm telling you, it's, it can happen, but it's totally up to your decision about what you're going to do with the Word of God. That's that, all right? Amen. What if? Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Amen.